Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty and I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak. That's a freak with two E's. It's a long story. I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. Love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. Here's what we have in store today on episode number 58 of the Dynasty Freak podcast. I'm going to talk about my 15 lessons that I learned from preseason week number three. We're obviously not going to record a preseason week number four because there's not much to learn in that game, Uh, but we are going to talk about things that I learned after week three. Hope that you've enjoyed these uh, three preseason wrap-ups that I've done. I've watched all the games via the NFL Game Pass, and here's a couple of things that I noticed. Let's talk about them. First, um, we want to remind you that it's important not to read too much into the preseason games, given that you never really know what coaches are looking for or trying to accomplish. Um, if you watch carefully, though, you can take away several things that affect player values. And so um, note that first. I did uh, look at all these games, and here's some things that I think you still can uh, take away. First is that Sony Michelle is healthy, and he's looking great. If you've been following me this year, you know that I've been lower on Michelle than uh, almost all, uh, most of everyone. Um, it's not because of his talent, really. It's really because of his injury, uh, injuries in his history and the fact that I really like Damian Harris and feel like he's really going to bring a lot of competition to that backfield. And I've been higher on Damian Harris throughout the whole rookie draft process and still am higher on him than most anyone that I follow. Um, so, But I do have to admit that Sony looked really, really good on Thursday night, and the Patriots did seem to commit themselves to the run just like they I think that they're going to do this year like they did at the end of last year. I think that's their plan going forward. They've beefed up their offensive line, and they're going to be a run-first team uh, protecting Brady and keeping him alive so that he can keep playing into his 40s, right? So I still uh, think that Harris is going to compete with that backfield. Um, But uh, Michelle, I think, will probably get injured. But you just have to look at it from what we learned Thursday night is that Michelle looked really, really good. And ironically, it was Harris who left with a mild injury himself. And so keep an eye on that backfield. Uh, I've moved Michelle up a little bit in my rankings, but still uh, has some question marks on his, his health. Second thing is that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside has earned playing time. Man, J.J. looked like a man among boys on Thursday. He caught eight of nine passes thrown his way, 104 yards and a touchdown, uh, just a variety of routes and using his big body. That's what he's known for, being able to box guys out. And that's the way he's going to continue to be used. And I just think that watching that game and watching him in action – that I don't think that he's going to be sitting behind uh, Jeffrey Jackson and Aguilar too long. I, th- I suspect that he'll come in there and replace Aguilar pretty early in the season. Um, I think he's going to play a lot in his rookie year. So it's time to buy him now. If you've got some lazy owners out there in your leagues that uh, maybe drafted him in the rookie draft but haven't really thought too much of him, maybe see if you can go sneak a trade. Uh, one thing I love, too, about Philadelphia is that Doug Peterson uh, spoke glowingly about J.J. after the game, and he's also the kind of coach that knows how to get his best players on the field, even if just for specific packages and plays. And so I think early on he'll create opportunities for J.J., even if he's not starting. But he'll be starting uh, by midseason, I believe. Third thing we learned, or I learned, is that D.D. Westbrook will be the wide receiver one in Jacksonville. Um, the Jags' new quarterback, Nick Foles, in that game, he only had eyes for Westbrook. It's crazy. He, Foles threw the ball 10 times in the game, and seven of them were targeted toward Westbrook. 
He only caught four of those seven and for only 29 yards, but one was a well-designed touchdown pass, uh, too. So D.D. looks like he's primed, you know, for that traditional third-year breakout, um, and I think it's going to happen for D.D. I at least know that in PPR leagues, he's going to get the bulk of the targets there in Jacksonville. I really believe that. Fourth thing we learned from the same game is that Leonard Fournette will be involved in the passing game. The other three passes, so I said that Foles threw ten passes. He threw seven to Didi. The other three went to Fournette. Fournette caught two of three, and he really looked pretty natural in doing so. So the Jags and their beat writers there have been telling everyone that Fournette is going to be more involved in the passing game this year, and now, you know, it comes in there in this preseason game. You can tell in this kind of dress rehearsal in that first quarter, just got those three targets right away. And so I think they're they're putting their uh, money where their mouth is. They're, they really are going to do this. We all know that running back receptions hold more value than runs. So if Fournette, uh, you know, gets involved in the passing game, his value is going to rise. Um, he still carries that injury-prone label and sometimes has shown a lack of effort, so those are some kind of red flags. But the fact that he's going to be used in the passing game should increase his value. So I've moved him up in my rankings a little bit uh, because of the way that I think they're going to try to use him this next year. Fifth thing that I learned is that the Washington backfield is going to be a mess. So first of all, it was very nice to see Darius Geis back in action. I uh, had such high hopes for him as a rookie two years ago and getting hurt in a preseason game. Didn't get to play his whole rookie year and finally got back on the field, cleared to practice, and then actually played. And they gave him a decent workload in the preseason game. He ran 11 times and caught one pass. I don't think he looked incredible, but he also didn't look like unhealthy or bad. So it was somewhere in between. The reason I say that this backfield is going to be a mess is because Chris Thompson, who also gets injured a lot, he looked really well too. It showed a lot more burst than guys in the game and his few uh, touches that he had. And then the fact too that Adrian Peterson didn't play this game, which points to him actually being protected to be the starter in, 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 you know, once we hit the regular season in week one. But I just think that this backfield is going to be a mess. Um, hopefully just for a year. You know, We're looking at this from a dynasty perspective. And so Geis is definitely someone that you would want to have because Peterson has a shelf life and Chris Thompson has a more limited role. Uh, Bryce Love was also drafted there this year too. So I just feel like the Washington backfield is going to be a mess. And uh, I'm glad that I don't actually own any Washington backs on all, all of my teams. Sixth thing that I learned is that the New England wide receiver group is also going to be a mess. So the same could be said of Washington backfield, I'll say the New England receiver core. Uh, Jacoby Myers, again, he's come out of nowhere as an undrafted free agent. He played well again in this third preseason game. But then you add that to the fact that Josh Gordon gets reinstated this week. Edelman still not played in the preseason, but he's going to come back from his injury. And then last night, uh, Philip Dorsett, or, or I'm saying last night because I watched it last night, but the, the New England game, uh, Philip Dorsett caught seven passes, as did Myers. Like Tom Brady was just, he played the whole first half and was targeting Myers and Dorsett like crazy. And so I look at them and think, man, They've got, they've got a, a role here as well. And so Gordon, of course, is uncertain, although they did say yesterday he, that he actually came back to practice. Um, but we're not sure if he's really going to be, you know, coming back off this long break to actually play well. Um, I'm sure that Edelman will, but he also is getting older and could get hurt. So I look at it like Dorsett and Myers are going to make the team and they can hold some value just because they're younger. And Edelman and Gordon probably have the most value this year, definitely Edelman. But they're the guys that are more injury-prone or you might say suspension-prone for Gordon. So I think the New England wide receiver group is going to be a mess. And all that, I said, without even talking about Nikhil Harry, Nikhil Harry who, you know, himself as a, as a first-round draft pick, is going to have to compete with all these guys. So it's a mess there in New England. Seventh thing that I learned, 
It's another stock down thing that I learned is that Kalen Balazs does not have good vision. He just looked awful on Thursday night. He had 12 runs for 17 yards, and it's just obvious that he, he just lacks vision. Every carry, he seemed to run straight into the back of his offensive lineman. Drake may be hurt, and I think the foot, in the, he got out of the boot this last week, uh, this, the start of this week. And so I think Drake's the value there in Miami. And Balazs is really just kind of smoke and mirrors. They could use him more on the goal line. I still think that that might be in for their plans. But if he shows this kind of vision that he showed, you know, on Thursday night, then why? Why would he be the guy getting the ball when he just runs into the back of linemen time and time again? Kalen Blage stock down for me. Eighth thing that I learned is don't cut Rodney Anderson next week. <clears throat> when I say next week, I'm talking because most of our leagues, if you're doing it right, you've got to cut down right here after this last preseason game this week. Thursday is all the teams play their last preseason game. And then what most of our leagues do, if they're smart, is then you have to cut down. You have to cut four or five players from your roster. And I want to say, if you have Rodney Anderson, don't cut him. Uh, he was the number fourth running back on paper in the Bengals' depth chart, right? So he's behind Mixon, Bernard, and fellow rookie Williams. But on talent, however, he's, he's second. It's not even close that he's right behind Joe Mixon, if not more talented than Joe Mixon. The problem with Anderson is just his injuries. We know that Anderson could have been the number one running back drafted last year in the NFL draft. Like he was, he was that talented to be the number one running back taken in last year's draft, last year's NFL draft. Um, but just because of the many injuries that he had in college, uh, that's what drove his stock down. And so this was really fun on uh, the preseason game number three to see him actually getting the ball. Um, he didn't do a whole lot, to be honest. He had eight carries for seven yards, but he did look good in the passing game. He had four catches for 51 yards. And particularly on one of the passes, you could just see his speed and agility that he, that he had it back. And so what really stands out for him, I think, too, is his size. Like, he is super thick. He looks, he looks nothing like the other guys that are presumably ahead of him in the depth chart. So if he's healthy enough to touch the ball that many times in preseason game number three, then I think he's going to get chances to prove himself on the practice field. And then I think he's going to be the number two right there behind Mixon. So if you, are, um, if you did draft him late in your rookie drafts, don't drop him when it comes to cut time. He's definitely worth a hold, even though he's got a really talented back mixing ahead of him. He's going to jump right, a, right ahead of fellow rookie Williams and right ahead of Gio Bernard. So hold on to Anderson. Next thing that I learned is that TJ Hawkinson, this is number nine, TJ Hawkinson will be a breakout in year number one. Man, I love the way that they used TJ Friday night. He was lined up all over the place. He was in motion many times before snaps. He was targeted four times. He had three, three catches for 52 yards. Um, I love that he was targeted underneath. He was targeted downfield. Uh, he's going to be one of those rare tight ends, I think, that breaks out in year one. You know, traditionally, tight ends don't do that. Uh, we won't have to sit and watch him, I don't believe, sit on our benches like we do with most rookie tight ends. I think you can start him right away, unless you have maybe one of those top five or six tight ends. You know, if you have one of those top five or six. But other than that, I think he's a startable. He's a top 12 guy from week number one. Not that it matters for Dynasty, but I'm hoping to draft him. I just drafted him in my redraft league Sunday night, and I have another draft coming tonight, and I'm hoping to get Hawkinson late in that draft too as a starter for me. Now we go to number 10. Number 10 thing I learned from watching preseason week number three is that Josh Allen cannot win through the air. Man, Allen looked horrible on Friday night passing. He was inaccurate. He threw an awful interception that was called back after a rough in the passer call. Add to, the fact that the, add to that the fact that Buffalo just looks like they're going to be a very run-committed team. And they actually have the defense to get away with it. They play such good defense that I think they're going to be one of those teams that just stays committed to the run and tries to win that way. 
And if Allen's not giving your team points on the ground, because he's good at that, he definitely can run, um, I'm not sure that he's worth starting this year because he just, again, has got that accuracy problem, and I don't think that that's like something that's going to be fixed for him. So he's uh, falling quite a bit in my rankings due to the fact that he can't pass very accurately. Number 11 thing that we learned was that Keyshawn Johnson is the best rookie in Arizona. So we know that Andy Isabella and Hakeem Butler were drafted ahead of Keyshawn in the NFL draft and in our rookie drafts, most likely. I know they were definitely drafted ahead of uh, Keyshawn in all of my rookie drafts. Uh, in fact, Keyshawn in my rookie drafts often didn't get drafted and was picked up on waivers uh, shortly after our rookie drafts. I was sad- Sadly enough, I only got him in one of my leagues. But he looked great in preseason number three. Uh, he caught seven of his tar- uh, all seven of his targets for 85 yards, and what, what was best is that he did it on like a variety of routes, which is really uh, where he wins. Like you could see that on his college film at Fresno State, that that's really what he was best at, is just running his routes. And so they say that his uh, route running has really moved him ahead of Isabella and Butler, and then Butler, of course, got hurt and now is on IR. But even before he was hurt, um, his route running moved him ahead of both Isabella and Butler. So he is the best rookie to own there in Arizona. Um, I do have a couple questions with Arizona. I still wonder if this offense is really going to work in the NFL. Um, Add to that the fact that uh, for some reason in these preseason games, they're mixing in different receivers like between plays, like like in the same you know series, the same possession, multiple receivers just shuffling in and out every other play it feels like. And so I have some concern about that, if they're going to keep trying to do that during the, re- during the regular season, keeping everyone uh, fresh or something. But if they don't do that, I do believe it's going to be Keyshawn, Larry Fitzgerald, and Christian Kirk as the starting receivers uh, there in the three receiver sets in Arizona, which, of course, they'll be in three or four receiver sets probably 90% of the time. Number 12 thing that we learned is that Matt Breida is one of the most underrated players in the NFL Man, Brita is one of my most owned players. I've always been higher on him than any other analyst that I've ever seen. And even this offseason, I wasn't scared when they uh, picked up Tevin Coleman and landed him in free agency. It's just that Brita is just too good. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, he does get hurt a lot. He's, he's definitely not built to be an every-down back. But he could be the better half of a two-way backfield all day. Like, that's what he's going to do. Put him in a two-way backfield and he's still start-worthy in our fantasy rosters because he's going to do what he has to do in those uh, split backfields. He's going to be the better part of it no matter who is brought in in competition. And the game, the preseason game number three, man, he looks so much quicker and tougher than Coleman. He always falls forward. He's got great balance. Um, he caught a 20-yard pass from Garoppolo lined up as a wide receiver, which is something they said in camp that they've been doing is lining Breed up all over the field. And they showed us that in the game on uh, on Saturday when he just ran a go route and ran right by and made a great diving catch for a touchdown. Brita, is, he's just underrated. <laughs> You've got to draft him or try to trade for him if you have it. Um, I know in all my redraft leagues, I'm picking up Brita at every single one of them, and I'm happy to hone him on a lot of my dynasty leagues. Number 13 thing that I learned uh, from preseason week number three is that Damian Williams is going to be just fine, even if Darwin Thompson cuts into his workload. Man, here we go. Another preseason game and another explosive first quarter touchdown for Kansas City. That's what they did when Williams took a wheel route 62 yards to the house and smoked everyone along the way. Like, just outran everybody. It was awesome. Uh, man, he's just going to be a weapon in the passing game. And Andy Reid just knows how to use him. He knows what he has and he knows how to use him. Hamstring seems to be better because he toasted everyone in that game. 
Uh, Darwin Thompson has impressed some in the off uh, in the off season, although in preseason game number three he didn't look very good. Um, and he's probably Thompson probably has leaped ahead or leapt ahead of uh, Hyde as a running back number two in Kansas City. But I just don't think that Damian, even if he spelled time to time with Thompson, he's still going to get enough touches, be actively used in the passing game, and he's going to keep his one, uh, running back number one, top 12 running back this year, unless he gets hurt. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that he'll be a top 12 running back this year. Um, and can still hold some dynasty value if they, uh, even if Darwin Thompson starts to cut into his, his workload. We'll see it. Here's what I always say about uh, Andy Reid. And Andy Reid, running backs we trust. Like, he always makes something out of whatever running back he has. And so he's going to do that again with Damian Williams, even if he does it at the same time with Darwin Thompson. Fourteenth thing that I learned was that Tyler Lockett can do it again this year. Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett had a historically um, efficient year last year. Like, it's, it's unrepeatable what they did last year. But what, what I saw from Saturday night, um, I'm not sure they can't come close to what they did last year. Lockett just excels at getting wide open on broken plays, and Wilson, of course, is the master at keeping plays alive. They did it again with a couple explosive plays, a pass of 20 yards, a pass of 30 yards, just putting the ball on the money on go routes for uh, Lockett. Uh, man, he's just looking really, really good. Add to that the fact that Metcalf and Moore um, are injured, and Lockett's just going to get even more looks than we thought he was going to get, um, even though we thought he was going to get a lot. But these rookies now are are out because of injuries. And so uh, not that Moore's a rookie, but we've got uh, Metcalf out with a rookie, a lot of other rookies competing for that spot, and uh, Ursula and Jennings. So what are we going to do? We're going to throw the ball to lock it, and we're going to run the ball like crazy. So I think they can do it again this year. Fifteenth thing that we learned, and this one's a little more sad uh, because of an injury, I learned that Demaria Crockett is going to be the lead uh, Texans. He's going to lead the Texans in rushing. Now, this might be a little controversial take, but let me explain why I think so. Um, of course, Lamar Miller got injured towards ACL, and what I noticed from that game since, since uh, Miller got injured very, very early in the game is that Crockett didn't get a lot of the carries. The rest of the preseason game, they brought in Karan Higdon, which to me signifies that they were actually trying to protect Crockett and keep him safe, and that Karan Higdon is running behind him. And, of course, Duke Johnson's kind of nursing an injury. They did trade for him this year. And so most people think that Duke Johnson is going to uh, come in and lead them in touches and be their leading rusher. I'm not so sure, though. I think that Demario Crockett has a chance to become the lead running back there in Houston. I think that when they uh, traded for Duke Johnson, they traded for him for a specific role that they had in mind, thinking that they had Lamar Miller there. And I'm not sure that they're just going to treat him as if he was Lamar Miller now. I think they're going to try to keep him in his role. At the very least, they're going to mix in uh, Crockett and Johnson to split things about 50-50. And so what I, I almost wrote about Demario Crockett last week after my uh, wrap-up of preseason week number two but I just kind of ran out of room and didn't end up writing about him. But what I was going to write about him was that he looked really good. He looked explosive in week number two when we did get to see him. And what was best of all is he looked really good in pass protection. The commentators there had said, too, that uh, over uh, the camp, this whole camp, that he's been doing really well in pass protection as well. And so I think he's going to get a lot more touches than people think. Um, I recommended him as a uh, late-round pickup in rookie drafts, and some of my buddies sniped him in front of me because they read my article, which is not cool. But... Um, it's going to be cool for them because now they've got what could be the lead running back uh, for the Texans and Demaria Crockett. There we have it. Those are my 15 things that I learned from preseason week number three. As always, I thank you for giving a listen, and I invite you to reach out anytime. 
You can contact me at Dynasty Freaks at Dynasty Freaks with two E's, DynastyFreaks at gmail.com or just through the website, DynastyFreaks.com. You know, I've been building a website and podcast for about a year now, almost exactly a year. I really wanted to do that before I started promoting it. I am about to do uh, some promoting with an advertisement. You'll hear more about that in coming weeks. And so it would really help me a lot if you would go rate and review um, the podcast in iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, freaky friends. You know what to do until next time. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.